Coming to you from Podcast Detroit, it's Heard, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Heard is a collaboration between the Hungry Dudes, Nick Drinks, and the Detroit Optimist Society. Each week, we interview industry professionals about issues related to food, beverage, and hospitality. Please take a moment to subscribe to Heard through the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud, or however you subscribe to your podcasts. Write a review and let us know what you think. For additional content, including awesome videos and photos, visit HerdPodcast.com, like Herd Podcast on Facebook, and follow at Herd Podcast on Instagram. We appreciate your support and hope you enjoy this week's episode of Herd. Hello, friends, and welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. I'm Joe Hakeem. Tonight, I'm joined by Nick Vato. Hello. <laughs> Jason. Just steal my thunder every time now. Every <laughs> time. You guys should introduce Jason first. Shout out to Ric Flair. He's Quick still prayer around. for Ric Flair. Quick prayer for Ric Always. Flair. Our special guest, uh, from the beverage director from Grey Ghost Detroit, and the new up-and-coming second best bar, Willie. Hey Will. Good evening, guys. Thanks can I for- just can I just say for the record that you look like a Power Ranger from the side in your shirt? Do I? Yeah. From this so, angle, you look like a Power Ranger. Okay, so I'm wearing a uh, a Santa pajama shirt because that's how I roll during the holidays. Okay. <laughs> and we just did a holiday meetup. We did. Yeah, which was fantastic. A bad luck. Thanks to yes. Bad Luck for hosting. Thanks to Bad Luck. Thanks to Long Road Distillery. Long Road. Thanks to Writing Company. Thanks to Prologue. Thanks to USBG. It was great. Yeah, uh, we, had, we had a pretty decent turnout. People seemed to be having fun. Um, we had an excellent turnout. There was a line out the door. It was the, probably the best show. In the yeah, city probably the best thing happening tonight, best. right? I don't think I've ever seen all the like restaurant writers in the same room like that. No, and they, they all seemed to be pretty cordial to one another. Yeah, no one killed each other. No one said, you misquoted me. No, there was no like battle a la uh, Anchorman that I was hoping for. Oh, that would be awesome. I know, I know. You brought a hand grenade. <laughs> Where'd you get a harpoon? <laughs> Joe killed him. <laughs> okay, well, uh, let's talk about the title of beverage director. What does that mean to be a beverage director? God, you went heavy deep. I know. Deep, like early. right off the bat. Yeah. Too soon. <laughs> It's kind of direct the the direction of the menu. <laughs> direct the beverages. Direct the beverages that go on the From menu. the shelf to the mouth of the consumer. I see it as kind of just overseeing the overseeing the direction that the menu goes. Overseeing the the direction. The direction of the microphone. The direction of the microphone. But can we get a microphone director over here? Kind of directing the concept of the menu, making sure it falls in in line with food, with the guests, with the demographic, building out the the bar standards, training manuals, you know, standard bar beverage director stuff like that. Is the Grey Ghost beverage director position the first beverage director position you've held? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So before that, where 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 did you go? Where how did you get there? I was at Standby. Worked with Joe Robb over there for a little bit. Over at Selden Standard before that. Alumni of the show. We had him on a couple shows ago. Yep. Yeah. Joe Robb. He's a good guy. Yeah. Um, before that, I was at Selden Standard, Ryan Company. Short stint at Antietam. But I was in. Ah, uh, we all agreed to live. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also Hamlin Corner? Yeah. Right? Hamlin Corner and Hamlin Pubs. 
for about 10 years I was with that. Wait, is oh, that the group. same thing? Yeah. There's two separate? It's all, okay. it's by the same people. Okay. When yeah. you were at Antietam, was that with Joe Rob or without Joe Rob? With Joe Rob. With Joe Rob, okay. Yeah. Uh, so the, the Hamlin uh, experience, I think, is kind Fr- of interesting. Franchise, I think, is what franchise. they call it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's an empire. Empire. Yeah. Okay. So... Um, <laughs> The, like the TV show? If you compare yeah. that to where you're at now, it's a totally different world, right? Completely different. So, like, how how did that was you where you tried, started? Though. You tried to do some badass cocktails there, I feel like. I, I did. I, I tried to do some cocktails in Royal Oak, but the demographic wasn't right for it. The concept. Be wasn't careful. Right I live like it. two streets away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's just what I saw, you know? <laughs> Maybe it was the concept that drove the demographic. Who knows? But it just didn't work out there. Yeah. But or the timing. I mean, it's all yeah. about timing. I mean, yeah. to be fair, probably still wouldn't work out <laughs> yeah. here. Look at La Dolce. Uh. We should, actually, we should totally talk about La Dolce because they were in Royal Oak. They were doing okay. I don't think they were killing it. They moved to Detroit and didn't make it in Detroit either, though. So is that a question of their concept or is that a question of... I don't know. I Sorry, I went probably too crazy with no, that. No, that, no. I mean, that, that's a totally different... like. You're talking about taking a, a small kind of uh, thousand fifteen hundred square foot concept at uh, in Royal Oak that was really niche to a hotel restaurant uh, in Detroit, where you can't do tapas for uh, a hotel restaurant and expect not to be successful unless you're willing to extend out the menu. And I think the reason why I miss it is because they were doing really kick-ass cocktails in Royal Oak as you were kind of saying, and mm-hmm. no one's really doing that now. So when they took off, that was just a bummer. Do, doing what? Kick-Ax Hotels in Royal Oak? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think that's true. And, and like, the, the Hamlin Pub kind of model doesn't lend itself to kick-ass cocktails. But no. where did you, where where was the inspiration for that coming from at, the, at that time? One of my managers actually submitted me into a competition. It was uh, The War of the Poor. I don't know if you guys remember that. Real Detroit. Yeah. P-O-U-R. Yes. Okay. Or the poor. I photographed for that one yeah. year. Did you? I did. It was that Blackfin, yeah. I remember. Yeah. Well, I've Very never been oh, rest in peace. Fin. Yeah. I remember. Did I miss out? What? Blackfin? <laughs> you didn't miss out. I've never been inside Blackfin. You're never going to be either. <laughs> I feel like I I feel like I didn't miss out, but whatever. No, that's where it started. I, I saw the creative side of bartending. Well, the more creative side of bartending. So you have a creative background though too right you went to art school yeah i went to art school for six years at ccs what did what do you think that brings into your uh the bar world for you Ooh, is it just styling is it uh color composition is it uh uh you like i i utilize the processes i learned a lot like as far as uh creatively thinking going through execution from beginning to end and being able to strategically think through things like so, conceptualizing yeah 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 and then- i I studied art direction for six years. Oh. So like the idea of taking a commercial from concept all the way through to execution is very similar to the idea of taking a cocktail from start to finish. I still sketch cocktails. I sketch garnishes all the time. Um, I do some of the graphic work for Grey Ghost as well. So I'm constantly how trying do, to still stay. How, do, how does what you've taken from art school and that kind of art direction translate into uh, your staff now that your bar, your your beverage director that's got to translate somehow. You got to have someone else do some of the stuff that that's inherent in you. Yeah. That now you have to not uh, teach it's the wrong word, but now you have to make sure that they're you know looking at things and you want them to be inventive. Yeah. 
How Absolutely. do you? So, as a beverage director, how how are you doing it? So, right right now, well, not right now. In the last couple of months, I've been kind of getting other bartenders involved and in building out the menu and strategically thinking about things. So, I put together these cocktail submission forms, mm, similar right. to like a creative brief that we would get as an art director. <laughs> you know, when I was in the office, you you know what they look like, right? Now. Yeah, I mean, advertising. You, yeah, I totally you get see it. Yeah, these yeah. things. They're obnoxious, but they work. They keep everyone on track. Like people. So I I request that the bartenders submit recipe with a prep recipe if there's an ingredient that needs to be prepped, inspiration behind the cocktail, name of the cocktail, pricing of the cocktail, like each ingredient. So like my whole idea is to be able to get everyone to the point where they're able to manage a program and think more deeply than just a cocktail. So you are, this is a leadership tenant, you are prepping your successor for the time, I mean, you, you're building everyone up to be the standard that uh, you feel like you're at, because um, that'll help advance the organization. Yeah, and I want, I want, so I, I take great pride in what I do. So I mean, any of these guys leaving, I want them to be able to be in another establishment and be, yeah. Know, that that guy's from Gregos. That girl's from Gregos. She's gonna kill it. He's gonna kill it. You know, because your repre- so. reputation then precedes yeah. you. Yeah, right. and you can say, "Hey, I'm building a quality." brand basically yeah because i feel that happens with sugar house that happens yeah, with oakland exactly. where they kind of set up this great training program yep. to go out and flourish in the yep. world but is there a do or die so my question for anybody is there is, is there a do or die for not being creative like uh in my world i try to make people creative and i want them to be self-initiated i want them to be, to be self-motivated come up with their own thing uh you know if they fail i'm not going to kill them uh but i want them to succeed and it, for me, it's the, the rub is if they don't try, you know? Yeah. And you have, I mean, you got to have bartenders that just like, oh, I'm just going to come and I'm going to yeah. do my job and leave. And that, that's not successful for any yeah. growth, you know? And how do you, how do you compete with that? Like, or not compete with that, but how do you resol- resolve that? Yeah. I try and look for it in the interview process. Okay. I really look, so we don't hire bartenders. We hire bar backs with potential to be bartenders. I've never hired a bartender besides the uh, opening staff. And But they were uh, people you knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Would yeah. you hire a bartender if they were seasoned? No. I would they would they would have to bar back first. Really? Yeah. Like I have uh, people on our bar team that have had years and I, they still work through the ranks. I feel like that would be doing doing a disservice to the barbacks who worked their way up. Mm-hmm. And there's no way I could turn back on that now. So it, it's and I I hate to ask as being an outsider from it, but if you left, okay, you're a beverage director, right? You left that place and you went to another bar and they're like, yeah, well, I know you have all this experience, you're a beverage director, but I need you to carry uh, bottles for a while and clean some glassware. You're okay with that? Yep. I, just because I, I understand it. like. But does that make it right? Yeah. Like, because I think that if you take somebody who's well-seasoned I mean, you, if you're an executive chef at some place, you're not going to go and be a prep cook somewhere you're, or wash dishes. You are going to go somewhere and, and hire on to be a sous chef but or be an executive you're chef. you're also probably going to open your own restaurant at that point. Maybe, maybe not. But yeah. you might leave that place as an executive chef and go on. Maybe you're not going to be an executive somewhere else, but you're not going to go on and be the bottom of the uh, totem pole. No, well, to Will's point, though. So, like, if you're an executive chef and you leave and you're applying to be, you know, a line cook, why are you doing that? If you wait, 
if you leave in the plan to be like, no, well, no, no, I'm just saying, like, if you're leaving an, a, an let's executive say some, chef, let's say position. somebody's leaving executive chef in Detroit, okay. and they're moving to uh, Kalkaska, or they're moving to Chicago, or they're moving to whatever, right? Okay, what job are they applying for? Well, I would think they'd be applying at least for a sous chef position. Okay, maybe so not I, an executive chef. So I think part of it, or if there's if they're moving, that's one thing. But I think to Will's perspective, if they're just going from one bar to another, why are they moving? So I think you want to see you want to see the him. bar shuttered. Okay, so that's one thing. So just like you want to see him on the job, you want to see him prove himself. You know, maybe he'll promote him in a month. But at the same time, I think he wants to see: does he work with the staff? Is he an asshole? Does he know his stuff? That's well, kind I, of I get that. Saying. But if you're in the industry, also, I mean, like, how many? Uh, and this is actually you know the answer. I mean, how many quote unquote seasoned bartenders are beating down your door for jobs? I mean, uh, maybe you can speak to the thing that we've always been talking about so far. But it's like. All these places are opening up. There's not Daily. a lot of yeah, right. people like you do. You have to have that system, in my opinion, because there's just so many people that are uh, really interested. You know, like now everybody's aware of the cocktails, the bars. They're cool. Like they want to be a part of it, but they don't have the the same background that you do. You know, you, we've been doing this for now, like you said, 10 years at Handling Pub. You've been at all these other places. So like how do you, you, you're, you build a system that can take raw people with passion and motivation and can turn them into that. Yeah. Right. I mean, and that's exactly it. I look, I look for a lot of passion. I look for people that have the work ethic and are willing to put in the hours and the time outside of the bar to learn. You know, and that's a huge thing. How I'm not dissing the culture. I'm just saying that there's outliers in everything that we do. I think, yeah, and I mean, always. you know, if, if something, you know, God forbid something happens to the bar that you're at a restaurant, that you're at and you have to go, your skill level mm-hmm. shouldn't right. mean that you are going to start somewhere at the bottom. Well, it's like any other job. Like if you were a CEO and you left and went to some other job, in theory, you'd get another CEO. In the same field. Right, I just right, don't right, think right, that right. that like, I Translates. mean, we've been talking about, yeah, like what particularly the city of Detroit is going through right now. And another thing that we can talk about is the idea that like, I mean, it's the reverse of that. It's like today's bartenders are now bar managers not not bar managers are going back to bartenders like everybody needs help everybody needs things like you could be a you know a bar back in uh, at a lot of places and be a bartender like a couple weeks later and not go through that and that may um obviously have some impact on the success of these of the places because service and hospitality are so important people are looking for that so mm-hmm. uh, maybe you can speak to that a little bit yeah and that's that's a big reason why why we hire barbacks and not bartenders because we I like to train on the standards of hospitality and service before anything. So like the the way the service is run as far as taking care of guests, greeting guests, how you communicate with guests. I like to see all that. I like to see that they're comfortable with just chatting it up with a complete stranger or talking to six people at the same time, you know. That's, see, that's awesome. You didn't say things. you didn't say mixing a drink. You didn't say setting up a bar. You said hospitality and service. Hundred percent. That's really cool. And I think I yeah. get that from Hamlin from being at Hamlin because uh, all I had was beers and crappy shots. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and that, experimental cocktails. Yeah, experimental cocktails. <laughs> but that place was packed every night. And what I learned from those bartenders is you have to just. The service is what they come back for. They come back because it feels good. It feels right. They're it's their second home. 
They so, come in, they can sit down, you know their name, all of that. I think we can extend this out. To, so you guys are opening a second best, mm-hmm. which is a uh, a different concept altogether than Grey Ghost. Yep. So oh, hold on. Is it because Grey Ghost is the best and this is the second best? <laughs> no. <we're>, <laughs> so second best is inspired by uh, the up north dive bars, right? Mm. So the the whole vibe inside, it's going to be way more laid back, way more chill, the whole cocktail program is going to be more fun you know i want people to come in and party throw down have a good time be comfortable do your thing so, so from a hiring standpoint are are, are you cycling people you, you are you going to promote from within so the person that manages second best is probably going to have worked at gray ghost yeah, right it'll be the second best yep They'll be the second best manager at Gre- from Gre- the second best manager. <laughs> yep. But so the idea is that you're tra- they're already going through your training program and they're just going to progress on, right? Yes. Hopefully, that's the plan. That's the plan. That's the plan. Okay. Yeah. So, so w- will that be like uh, an ideal kind of training program where people come through and like they go through your training first and then eventually make it to second best? So they're like already put through the, the kind of uh, steps of service and all that. Yep, exactly. And that was my thought with Grey Ghost to be like this little training hub for bartenders for future concepts. And so, I mean, second best won't be shaking and stirring as much as Grey Ghost. So I definitely want to have them being cross utilized so they can keep up on their craft. But the second, I mean, I think what you're getting at with the second best concept is that there has to be more of an, in, without that kind of show. Yep. There has to be more engagement, right? Yep. 100%. Yeah. If you're just pouring a beer, you got to say, why are you coming here to get a beer when you get a beer everywhere else? Exactly. You know, no. you, you talk about the show, and I, I think of the bar restaurant concept, and I think of places that um, uh, where the show isn't where your seat is, you know? Um, and if you're sitting at the bar, and it's not, you know, uh, it's not talking about, Great ghost, but there's been a lot of places I'm at that they, uh, there's one place and I, I won't mention it, but it has this very elaborate um, display using dry ice and this and that. So it creates a smoke and a drink and whatnot. But if you're at the seat uh, that's way uh, away from the bar, you don't see anything that the bartender's doing. So the show doesn't matter. Now, there's a lot of places that have, uh, you know, cocktails being made in uh, like a, a different area than the, than the front bar. Um, so there's no show in that part. Like a, like a service bar. Yeah, yeah, like a service bar, right. Mm-hmm. So the show is only important as what the, you know, for the folks at the bar, the folks passing by. Yeah, right? and, I th- and I think there's there's something to be said about that because I, I think who does a good job about that is like Standby who has that giant pineapple. And if you ever see a group that like four people get together, they order that giant pineapple and they all sip it. You have all these people in the bar that are just like, ooh, what is that? Can I order that? That's really cool. So I totally get the show as like a sales tool to get people to do other stuff. And your bar is great because your bar has all those giant windows on the outside. So Grey Ghost is super well lit. You can see what's happening in there. You have a, a, a well-trained bar that can pull off that stuff. So I think that actually helps sell cocktails too because you look down the bar, you see, hey, what's that guy drinking over there? That I think helps kind of yeah. sell it. Is that kind of what you're thinking of? No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's, I'm telling you, this other bar. It was a great drink. It was just like I'm. Is it a chain? No, it wasn't a chain. It's a mm. it's a bar in Ann Arbor. It's a it was a nice bar. They have uh, a crazy. Uh, the bar is just like you might as well just name it. I mean, 
Don't do There's it. a bar in Ann Arbor. It's got dry it. ice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. Just, you've got a couple on the. How many options are we talking about? So it's nightcap, and it okay. has the bar. Ooh, that's not where I thought you were going. And the bar is. I've never been there. So the bar area. The bar takes about three quarters of the space of the. A lot. Like way more than I expected. Huge. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there is a huge back area, right? And they had, I thought all the drinks I've ever had there were really good. And I've been there many times. And the seating is great, and the ambiance is great, and they play rock and roll music, and it's not, you know, it's not super bourgeois or whatnot. But so I had this drink that you can tell is uh, highly uh, stylized, you know, and like you need to be at the bar to experience the drink. And there's a couple drinks like that, but when you're sitting at the table, it's not like the bar, like not the servers not coming up and brouilleing something, and they're not coming up and 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 making the drink there so you can see the. Mm-hmm. You know the table side accoutrements kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. that the you know drink is going to have. So that point, the style of the drink doesn't matter. They should just make the drink without the style. I mean, granted, they're making it at the bar, so someone else at the bar is going, "Ooh, what right. is that drink over there? I'll have what he, what Nick's having." You know? But that brings up a great point, though, because so much of drinking, I feel like, is in the story. Because if you look at ninety percent of cocktails, they are a brown weirdo liquid liquid in a glass, and that's it. And if you don't have or that, or a solo cup, or a solo cup, yeah, yeah as we drink yeah, lovely cognac in a solo <laughs> cup, um, it, you you got to have that story to say, hey, there is this ingredient, there is this great thing that I sourced from somewhere, there's this amazing thing that I added to it. If you don't have that, it's just like, oh, it's another brown thing I'm drinking out of a glass. So, so on that, will how, how much are your is your staff talking to the customers and, and having these stories and talking about? you know, how they develop the, the drinks and, um, they talk anytime they're asked a question, you know, which I try and tell them not to talk about themselves too much because it's not about us. It's about the guests. But whenever they ask questions, they definitely have a story to tell. If someone says, I don't know what I want to drink. How do you address that? Oh, I love that. <laughs> I ask, uh, what, what kind of drinks would you have last or what kind of drinks you normally drink? What flavors are you into? You drink wine, beer, cocktails. I mean, not everyone drinks cocktails, so See, that's the best thing of the craft there. cocktail movement. And everyone like shits on the craft cocktail movement. But the best thing about it is you have these folks who understand, like, if you mix, uh, you know, <laughs> if you mix yellow and, and uh, uh, you know green, you get this color, right? Craft cocktail people understand that. So you say, well, I like. Uh, uh, I don't, God, I don't know. I like, I like vodka, and like, then they, then they say, oh, well, you like something spirit forwarded or fruit forwarded, or you like something effervescent, and they start building that thing into and it. And that's new because I feel like kind of in the eighties and nineties, oh well, yeah, people were like, I just want sweet, I just want bubbly, I want refreshing, and now we're getting to the point where our palates have developed that we're like, ooh, I like bitter, I like whiskey, I like this. So yes, I but, think that's but, changed. But people are are distant on the craft cocktail movement. You know, saying it's bourgeois, it's this and that. You know, it's oh, it's people with beards and like. And, there, and, and there's stuff. a pushback. There's kind of the the uh, what's the what's the term right now? The yes bars that are just like whatever you want. You know, you want a shot of you know fireball, when, go for it. Whenever I tell my friends, I'm, at the are, end of the day, though, I mean, like it's hospitality. I'm sure, well, it is hospitality, but also like every bar, whether it's Nightcap, Grego, Sugar House, like you can't speak for 100 percent of the people. Like people go to the Sugar House and. 
Some people go there because they love the spectacle of the sugar house. Some people go there because they want to sit at the bar and pick the bartender's brain. They have a home bar themselves. They want to, you know, learn something new. Not everybody cares about that when they go to the sugar house. Some people want to sit on the table, on the stage, not worrying about that and just enjoy their experience knowing that they're going to get a, a, you know, a good cocktail. Sure, the same thing. Like I was at Grey Ghost the other night and it's like, Man, you're like three deep at the bar. I've, you go to standby. I asked Joe Rob the same question. Like, man, like when do you even get an opportunity to talk to some of your guests? Not everybody cares about that stuff, though, right? Like, yeah. not everybody needs a story. 100%. As long as you're creating, um, you know, you know the cocktails are good. It's executed well. There's an expectation that, um, you know, you're gonna the service is good. And sometimes that's all uh, you need I agree with now. you 100. Mm-hmm. percent And it depends on the place, you know. But my point about the craft cocktail and people like shitting on the craft cocktail industry is that the craft cocktail industry isn't about like those people that are shitting on the craft cocktail industry are like not the people that are driving the fact that like all these bars are opening up. Like, yeah, there's I mean, people are not shitting on them so much that all like no, we're no, having no, a no, problem the, with bars opening up yeah. because people cannot get enough cocktails. So like. I don't really think but no, they're that, like, you know, it's, a, it's just because there's like a Thrillist article it's with somebody. A, well, no, like, no. But even SNL. SNL you know? was kind of making fun of there's it. It's the same oh, yeah. thing that like when, when the movie cocktail came out and everyone's like, oh, everyone needs to be like Tom Cruise, blah, blah. The difference what is. Was that like 1986? I, I was. They still uh, say that though. You know, <laughs> everyone the, really the, the difference is. They took a period of Tom Cruise? Oh, yeah. Really? All the time. The really? Is this he like based on TGI Friday? Can you flip this? No. Is it that no one ever should Is it because of your abs? Is it because of your abs? Oh, yeah. It must be. Because not the juggling. Whoa. I saw him on the Instagram story. <laughs> the, dif- it, so. the difference is, is that bartenders nowadays understand balance. They understand what when you mix a couple things together in certain proportions. That to me, that's craft cocktail. Like I tell people, it's cooking. It's it's food. Yes. Yeah, well, we tell, have we have a guy here who is one of those people. Right. I know? can do it. But I, I tell that's what I that's what I tell people, yeah. and that's what I tell people that Detroit scenes about and. You know, folks like you are about, and that, and your bars are about, is that it's about understanding that when you take a spirit and you mix it with another spirit, you mix it with a a juice or something else, and it's proportioned. It's not just a free pour. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and hand it off to you, and it's some bullshit. <laughs> to me, that's craft craft cocktails. Craft cocktails isn't about, you know. Having a beard and being in a vest and wearing a bow tie. And yeah, blah, I think blah, blah. I think we're Can I, I want to dive back into a little bit of Will's story for a second because uh, speaking of story and cocktails, and it made me think of um, and with your creative background, I really am curious about. You've had a fair amount of success in like your competition bartending, right? You've done. Uh, I've done a couple. You've done a couple. <laughs> Repeal day. Um, woo. Uh, you've been all the way to Puerto Rico, which I'm really curious to pick your brain about. And going back with the idea of like the story, because in that setting, in a competition setting, you're essentially presenting to judges and the story is very crucial at that point. Yes or no? Yeah. Like, yeah, 100%. What, so how do you approach that? Like how, what, like A, why did you originally, you know, get well, into that? Well, explain that. So you, for people that have never seen a cocktail competition – you are going up in front of three or more judges saying, hey, here's this cocktail. Here's a spirit that you told me to make a cocktail with. Here's why I think it's amazing. This is based on my childhood, you know, where I grew up on the streets of Brooklyn <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. So, would, like, you Would are, you have a cocktail based off your childhood, though? <clears throat> I mean, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's a story. That whole thing it's is you story. are selling. But were you drinking cocktails as a kid? 
I'm just saying. I mean, the whole that whole thing is you are trying to convince the judges that <laughs> yeah, so, you are. Yeah, let the guy talk. Yeah, I want to yeah, hear yeah, what yeah, he yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And, so, and I want to pull back even further from the competition side of it. Is like four roses. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so how do you get chosen to even join the competition? So you're you're in you're chosen as a competitor with say six other people, but how do you even make it to be the final six? Let's online online submission. It's online submission. Blind. Totally blind. Yep. yep. They recreate the, your submission and Maybe. then they pick who recreates the the spirit judges. company or whatever. Oh, judges. Okay. Judges sometimes spirits come. So you, you submit a recipe yep. and a story or just a yep. recipe? Recipe story. Recipe so for story. the Heaven Hill one, we submitted two cocktails um with inspiration for both of them and they wanted us to tell a story about what a hospitality meant to us. Okay. So that was cool. I felt right. I felt good about that. And then I got selected, went to Chicago, did a regional, so that probably encompassed like the Midwest, I would assume. Okay. And then the top two went on to Puerto Rico where the finals were and there were eight of us down there. Do you get sponsored for that or do the uh competition sponsor that or Heaven Hill sponsored that okay. whole competition. You don't pay anything. Right. No. Yeah. No. So once you advance you just keep going and keep going. Yeah. Yep, so they flew they paid for us to go down to Puerto Rico. That was pretty fun. Can I put a small feather sense. in my cap? No. So I got to go in a competition. Wait, I said no. No. <laughs> and I, we're talking to Will about his competition. No, we were together. No, we were together. That's the thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a competition that was Infinium that they were doing uh, all of their products and I Debbie said, "Hey, you should totally submit a product for that." She's our local rep. And I submitted a cocktail, and I got selected, as did Will. Now, Will actually oh, made a good it. cocktail. I think I just got lucky because <laughs> not enough people submitted. So the two of us got to fly down to Tampa to compete in a competition, it's which cute. was the, the coolest thing ever. So you're saying it's that cool. you can submit Hormel Chili to a chili cook-off. <laughs> if no one else submits, <laughs> yes. That's actually what default. happened with the Brokers. Uh, that's what happened with the Brokers Gin competition when I got to go to New Orleans. Like everybody thought it was a joke. You had to be annoying and spam people on Facebook, uh-huh. get them to vote yep. for you. And literally nobody from Detroit entered a drink in there. And uh, next thing you know, they're like, there oh, guess what? Uh, we made your, you know, you're one of the th- people. And then uh, they did like, uh, I think it was the magazine, the tasting panel, did like a tasting. And uh, they're like, okay, cool. You're going to New Orleans. I'm like, oh, fucking great. You know, like, <laughs> wins a win. Right? You know what I mean? Like, I don't, dope. Moral yeah. of the story, just do it. Yeah. Because there's certain competitions people just ignore. And no one enters. Yeah. So what do you what do you get from the con? Do you, do you enjoy competing? Do you mm-hmm. enjoy the camaraderie and networking? Like, what's the what's your all takeaway? Of all of it. I I initially started so that I could meet people in the industry because in like oh eight or oh nine there weren't a lot of craft bars to go check out or anything like that locally around here. Yeah, yeah. around here at least. So that was my way of putting myself in in front of people, meeting people, picking people's brains. So. Yeah, and now I'm pushing a lot of our bartenders to do it because it's good exposure for them. You know, as they move forward in the industry, if they choose to do so, that it's good to meet people out of state. It's good to meet different reps and other people doing the same thing as you. And everybody's, uh, I'm assuming, I've been to one competition. I went with Shane to USBG in in Vegas. And and my experience there was that everyone was like friendly and open Mm -hmm. and like sharing things and there was no... Even though it was a competition, nobody was like cutthroat or nobody was like, oh, you can hold back. Like, I, I remember like uh, making ice in my hotel room for one of the contestants who didn't bring any ice. And there was ice and they didn't have like ice trays and blah, blah, blah. And they didn't have a right. fridge. And yeah. so there's there's that openness and you're learning from yeah. other people. It's great. And I, I just did one in Chicago, the 
Remy Cointreau one, and one of the competitors was from Columbus. And Ben, Ben Grace. I yeah. wouldn't have helped anyone he, from Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he ended up leaving me his, his booze that he had used but didn't need to take it home. So he left me a couple bottles of mezcal and some vermouth Ooh. in my room. I, I'd never met this guy before. He was super cool. And they were in Detroit like two weeks ago. He came in a Grey Ghost for brunch. So, I mean, I, I feel like it's a good way to build relationships, mm-hmm. meet other people in the industry, and it's who knows what can come of it. How right? long does it take you to prepare? Like, you know, you've got to... A, I guess, a first, uh, you know, the creative process behind the submission, obviously catering or tailoring it to whichever brand is seeking it. And then once you know that you're going to be competing, how do you prepare for that? There's not much you can do. I just make sure I have enough product to batch for 100 samples. <laughs> he's, making it sound, he's making it sound easy. Folks. <laughs> it's so easy. Like, I don't think it's that easy. I tr- I try and not get too worked up over them. I remember when I first started, I'd get super nervous. But I mean, it's what I do. Sure. Four nights a week, I, I just bartend. Do you style? Do you style? Do you like think of like how I'm gonna dress? How I'm gonna, you know? Do you Ooh. think of like all that kind of stuff? Like I used to more than I do now. I mean, I mean, I'll. Do you think it makes a difference? Like, do you mm-hmm. think that the way that, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just asking. Like, I, no, no, no. It's no, a point, fair point. Yeah, yeah, People get dressed up for these things all the time. Like, me personally, I, I don't know. I don't get too deep into dressing up to match my cocktail or anything like that. But I do take a lot of consideration in, into how the cocktail looks. Is there a professional attire for bartenders in the in these circuits? There is a tie. The USBG has an official tie. Do they now? Mm, yeah. Oh, wow. they've had it for a while. I've never seen it. So the Guild put on, as part of um, Cocktail Classic, they put on a training for judges and uh, competing. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I got to videotape all of it all, and I'm working on shooting that out to the world. But one of the things that they did is they talked about how to do the story for your cocktail competition. So Gene Carlo gets up there and brings out this- John Carlo? John? John Carlo? John Carlo. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, John Carlo. Yeah. Um, yeah. He brings out this, this lovely little tray- of like an HO scale railroad like model that he made with little villages and little lights and little trees. And he's like, I put my cocktail on here. And everyone in the audience is like, oh my God, I suck at my job. Like they were looking at like, like that is amazing. Yeah. He built this little world for his cocktail. And that is the level of skill that you need for some of this stuff, especially yep. like world class. Or like most imaginative or something. Yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Yeah. So everything's considered the ice you serve it in, the garnish, the the background that the drink sits in, the everything, every single thing. Your words, they like yeah. scrutinize your words. And there's yeah. only like three judges. Like the most imaginative when I went there, there was like three judges, and uh, you know the guy who you know took it all. He didn't say a word. He's just like he's showing his like he had his like a uh, uh, bottle of liquor and he showed it, and then he pulled it back and he did something else. He, you know, shake blah 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 this and that. Next thing you know, he's on stage. You know, it's like uh, there's a style. There's uh, how do you learn that? Like, if you weren't, if you don't go to competitions all the time, you, you watch videos. That's videos. a specific yeah, YouTube, skill right? that's YouTube. like not necessarily <laughs> yeah. relevant to bartending at the bar, though. It's right? not. It's not that's at like all. Building up a specific skill set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely uh, your technique. Is what you're referencing for specifically for competitions yeah. like that? Yeah. Like I learned how to double jigger just for competitions. I don't. Interesting. I hate double yeah. jiggering. What is that? When you're holding the the Japanese jiggers. Okay. The, Tall, skinny. Yeah. The, yeah. the the two ounce, one ounce jigger. And okay. The three quarter, half ounce jigger. So you have all your measurements. But it looks cool if you can like 
stylistically work the two in one hand. Because so there's so there's you have like different sizes. So if you can put them all in one hand, yeah, you have you all the measurements in one hand. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. It's cool. I've and, seen guys doing competition. It looks sweet. If you did a classic videos, James yeah. Downs move when yeah, he first dope. came back from San Francisco or whatever when I first met him, mm-hmm. uh, and he was doing a couple of shifts at the Sugar House. He was the first person at the Sugar House. Marlo does a little bit of that too. I feel like. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not practical for every day. Yeah. Like, it's too slow. So I, I want to go back for a second to. Well, we talked about in the beginning about uh, beverage director, if, if I can. Um, how much of the food aspect do you bring mm. into uh, your cocktail expansion? Like how much do you like, are you sitting down with the chef? Are you as a beverage director? Are you? Who is the chef? Chef. There's two chefs. Uh, John Vermiglio. John? You met John. And Joe. Yeah. You met yeah, Joe yeah, too. Yeah. Joe Giacomino. Are you, um, you know, are they saying, hey, what do you have in mind for a drink? And we're going to like build a a dish after that or are they saying here's here's what we got based upon what's available this season what do you think about this i mean because you, you have to have some type of idea about pairing a little bit yeah we kind of just throw ingredients back and forth at each other you know like when on a slower night i'll wander into the kitchen and just comb through the spice right comb through the the walk-in and see what i can find like there's a couple of drinks on the menu that got on there because of that and i feel like they'll do they'll I don't know. I'm not sure. We haven't really talked about, you know. Well, how did that? Because you know, you were mentioning earlier. You've you've known you've known them for how long? I've known John and Joe for uh, three years now, maybe. And Dave longer. We connected way before. Because you've you know, as you mentioned earlier, you've made the you worked uh, you went from Royal Oak to uh, Briefs and Antietam, Wright and Company, Selden, Standby. Those are some of the, I mean, between chefs and bartenders, you know, really good um, uh, spectrum of everything that the city has to offer. And so Grey Ghost was kind of the first uh, establishment where we saw the out, like the Chicago team come into the city and open Mm. up shops. So how did that all come about and what's that been like working? Although to be fair, maybe Antietam was... That guy was not from the city, was Yeah, he was from New York, I yeah. think. Yeah. But like I said earlier, Dave, Dave Vermiglio is our connecting piece. John's twin brother. And the, between the four of us, we make up Four Man Ladder, which is our uh, man, restaurant management group. And yeah, that's how it started. And just seeing their point of view coming from a big city has inspired me and the, the way they look at things is a little bit different than the way I look at things because I've been in only in Detroit my whole life and I, I see what Detroit was and what it is whereas they see how how it was and then they left and they saw everything from a larger market where competition was at a way way more extreme so seeing that point of view I think is really cool and is Detroit anywhere near the kind of like competition that comes from a larger market and how does the larger market mentality kind of color the the way gray ghost is operated as far as detroit as a larger market i mean i feel like detroit is on its way to being a large market for sure but the the community kind of i mean you you guys all understand you guys have all been in the community everybody's friends with everybody and i feel like that's what a lot of larger markets lack is that support from everyone else that's the that's that's the winning part of what detroit is detroit's blue collar detroit is uh, uplifting for everybody that's in there nobody tries to put anybody down well because we've gone through so many years of just like uh detroit is like crime ridden and 
everyone makes cars and no, I'm just saying like <laughs> there's such this, there's like such this negative so in Detroit. Negative. So when you travel and people are like, oh, I've really seen Detroit doing cool cocktail stuff. You're like, yeah, we're like kicking butt. But it's a service when the when the Super Bowl came here. Uh, it was a huge thing because everyone's like, "Oh, it's going to be horrible." And then the guy they get here and it's like, "Oh, this is an amazing place to be." It's like, "Yeah, it's blue collar. Everyone loves each other. Everyone tries to uplift each other. No one's really competing against each other because everyone's doing something a little bit different." Can I share a Super Bowl story? No, please. It's really good. <laughs> Let's move on. Will, no, no, do you no, no. have a Super Bowl story? No, no, no. This is really, really good. I want to share. I don't have a Super Bowl story. So brisky. I went to a party <laughs> as part of an advertising agency where they had um, Gillette was the sponsor. Oh. So they had this whole wall of shavers. At the town pump. Was or Matt Ryan? No, it was like a warehouse that no, they took it was over. A, sent, Gillette had Centaur on the fifth floor. It wasn't, it wasn't Gillette, though. Uh, but anyway. It so was. I got a shave. There was, this par- there was this party, and at the end- you know, we're all done and we're leaving. And they had all these shavers like up on a big wall. And I took like a hundred shavers. You're very hairy. No, and I'm very hairy. So I had I had razor blades for like three years because of the Super Bowl party. It was amazing. So hairy. That's uh, interesting. So you're talking about the larger market. <laughs> yeah. I mean, speaking of that, I'm super curious. Because one of the things I noticed about uh, that I notice and appreciate, you guys uh, really do a great job of working on collaborative projects with people in the community, whether it's you, know, you guys did like the party with Mabel Gray and you guys done a bunch of things. And so that's kind of interesting because you've got these guys coming from Chicago who are coming from a more highly competitive, sort of maybe more saturated market. And then the philosophy is to come and be like uh, so collaborative. So where does that come from? And like, where, how do you view that as being beneficial to you? Or I don't know, just. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's good marketing on both ends of it, I feel like. And it's a good way to continue to push our creativity and push our ourselves, you know. Like Rudy, you guys all know Rudy, mm-hmm. our bar manager at Grey Ghost. Him and I went to Traverse City and Kalamazoo for four days and did four pop-ups at four different spots. Did you and, seek that out or did yeah. they come to you or you just wanted to? Yeah, we, we, it was an idea that we had and. We just kept talking about it and talking about it and like, let's just do it and stop talking about it. So we got uh, Brown Foreman on board and they helped us along the way. And we stopped at four different spots in four days. It was something we'd never done before. So yeah. it kind of pushed like what we were able to do. And like, What was the reception like out there? I thought it was, it was well received. I mean, we stopped at a couple of notable spots like the Franklin, Stella, Principal and Kalamazoo, Olives and Wine. So, I mean... It it was good. I thought it was well received. I definitely want to do it again next year. I, someone from Chicago actually reached out to me at the tail end of that, asking if we were still on the tour. Nice. So, have you um, brought any guest bartenders in for your spot? Uh, not yet. I feel like with the food component, it it'll be tough to bring in a guest bartender because it's. You just have to know know the menu, know how to sell the food. And However, the chefs are doing like the frame uh, collaborations, right? Yeah, John and James did one of the Nona dinners right. a little bit ago. And then Rudy and I did a Halloween pop okay. up there too. With Paul? That's fun. Yeah, yeah, yep. With Paul Fradnick. Sounds it spooky. Good, it was what, a good time. What was the expectation up at uh, Franklin and Stella um, in terms of knowing the food? Was the restaurant open while you guys were bartending? Yeah, there were other bartenders. Their, their bartenders were there behind, behind the bar as well. We just carved out a little section, tried to stay out of the way and did our thing. Introduce ourselves to people, extend the Grego's brand, extend the brand of ourselves. And was there any sense good. of like 
exoticism, like where you're just like, oh, it's the guys from Detroit in Traverse City. Like, what are they making? Is what what are they? Are they like these fancy guys that are? Well, to be fair, the low bar in Traverse City has the smoked old fashioned. They, they do, I mean, low bar is uh, great. Yeah. Yes, and that's uh, that's um, it's pretty exotic. Downstairs of uh, Seven yes. Monks, correct? Yeah. So. Um, like, was there any type of like, oh, what are you guys doing, or or is it that just like, oh, I'll get a, a, a drink from the guys from Detroit, like, you know? No, we we talked, we checked, looked over the, the menus and stuff, we collaborated, we did shots. I mean, we didn't talk much cocktail. <laughs> I mean, we we kind of just hung out and made friends. It was a, yeah, it was a good time. One of the guys actually owned a a boat, a boat. I don't. Like, I don't own a boat. Out there? No, no, no. It was like I've a, only been in like two boats. It was like one of those party boat things, and he like oh. takes guests out on the water and stuff. So we ended up out on that at Dear Penthouse after, Letters <laughs> at, after one of those events, and it was it was cool just to meet new people and hang out and see what they do on that side of the state. You it's know? all about networking, just yeah, like meeting cool people that, and doing and fun that's stuff. That's kind of what yeah. it was all about. Like, what's what's the vibe uh, in your competitions about Detroit? Like, do you, do you sense a vibe about Detroit mm-hmm. or? Of Michigan, or or is it uh, everyone's? You know, kind of got their own thing, and don't... like, are we on the radar? Yeah, definitely. I feel like we are with all these mm-hmm. new bars and all these bartenders doing these national competitions. It's definitely drawing light. I mean, Dorothy was just in Speed Rack, yep. right? And so we need Marlo more people competing. I think that that definitely Alex helps. Just won it, the national Angostura competition. Yeah, yeah. Alex was in. Dang, that's a big one. Yeah, I mean <laughs> he's going. To, I mean like, he's going to Trinidad for the yeah, global that's huge. competition. That's incredible. Huge. Trinidad and Tobago, but that like extends time. Detroit that far. No, right? we need more people you know? like it's involved. Great. We need more people like at the helm saying, "Hey, this is Detroit. This is what I represent." Yeah. We're. I mean, we're pretty aggressive when it comes to competitions. I feel like. We we well, enter a lot, yeah, yeah. But then you enter a competition. And you no, 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 stop, 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 stop. <laughs> okay, so wait. I stopped entering. So <laughs> so, so let, let's let's talk about that for a second. Why why are What's happening in Detroit that's that that are that's making our th- cocktail scene thrive so much? What is the underlying? All right. it, what's Here, the underlying? Here's my theory. Yeah. So when you go to like New York and Chicago and L.A., you have all this population saturated to go to a random weirdo pop up. So like when you go to Chicago, you can support a Stranger Things bar because there's enough weirdos to do that. Like based off the Netflix series, yeah, there's literally off, yeah. a bar. Based oh yeah, off. I did a video. Well, oh yeah, I you saw obviously that. I didn't did watch see it. That. You no, said, yeah. <laughs> so in Detroit, I feel like we have to be a little more strategic with it because our population is good, Strategery. but it's not Chicago good. Well, I feel like if someone did a Stranger Things pop up in Detroit, it would just be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" I mean, we've done we did miracle. So like miracle happened. Miracle's at not the skip, same, but miracle's but a nationwide I've, thing. Yeah, but it's. I feel like it's a good D- size. Detroit pop-up does a uh, Star Wars yeah. one at the tangent. They do an incredible pop up. It's not a pop up, but they do an incredible thing at the tangent. But I feel like Star Wars is transcendent, isn't it? Like, stop. You no, can, no. Right, you're going off. You on, you're going I, off. I'm on literally. A you literally use a good. I'm going to pull. A, I'm going to pull a Han on you right now. <laughs> no, I'm saying like it's <laughs> one like, of us has a real gun. <laughs> Whoa! This got real. So <laughs> I'm saying <laughs> Star Wars is like one of those things that like people will. That go was some to. real Detroit. Oh, right oh, there. yeah. Oh, I mean, legitimately. I was far north, but I feel like I was confused. We need enough people that are wanting to go out and get craft cocktails and good drinks. And we are to the point where we can now support all these bars to do this stuff. So like when it started, it was like roast and like people went to roast and get drinks and then they went to Oakland and then they went to Sugarhouse and then they went to. Let me ask well this. Why don't we have a show? Why don't we have a competition here? Like, could we, could we do that? We totally do. Yeah, we can. There's a bunch of local ones and stuff. 
Like, Definitely. can we bring in some people and like have a competition here? Totally. Right? Yeah. We do it. We do it once a month. But uh, okay, where are you, Nick, who are you competing at, Nick? Yeah, once a month. Hell, who are you competing? But there's with? enough. I, I feel like there's a lot of the Girl Scouts. Here. Yeah, there's, are, uh, there's a lot of local ones and stuff. Detroit know, like, City I, Distillery I, does a. But I'm thinking gin like we, one could, every year. we could bring in like some national or something. Like we could bring something here, right? Yeah, absolutely. Just gotta get get into some of the reps' ears and brand ambassadors. It's ears getting the regional that's stuff. That's the problem. I didn't. Wasn't mm-hmm. the regional Bombay? Yeah, Bombay was good. We did that, but like, so if you like Speed Rack, so like Speed Rack, unfortunately, has such a huge like. Presence in Chicago, like I think we'll never get something. It like started that. in New York too. Though, right? oh, was it New York? I okay. think it started in okay. New York. But I feel like some of that getting that more regional business because we're fighting with Chicago because they're right there. They're like you know five hours away. But we get, we got Woodford. Four. We get Woodford. Sure, sure, too, yeah. Too. No, we're definitely we're on the radar. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like there's a sense of like. You know, I think we've talked about this before. Like traveling, like even going to Attaboy in New York or like places outside of here like attaboy isn't as good as any of the places we have here i mean it, it's it, it has more national attention yep but i feel like what we do what you guys do at gray ghost what's happening at sugar house what's happening at standby is as good at, as what's happening at, at attaboy mm-hmm. attaboy just has an added mistake of like we don't have a menu well will what's you uh like, what's your best experience have you ever had if you had to pick you, you travel like what was the best cocktail experience that you've had outside of the city of detroit <laughs> That's open-ended. Yeah, it is. I mean, I visited a lot of cocktail bars outside of Detroit, but no experiences that were, like, hmm. crazy outstanding that was led by a bartender. It was more, like, by the concept of the space. I feel like in Detroit, the Midwest, we have the best hospitality, hands, hands down. And I definitely stand behind that. I, I think that's what we were getting. That's what I was getting. I can at answer it from my standpoint, though, from like traveling around, like as a as a novice or a tourist. My experience is you definitely been, come off as not a novice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a novice. My experience has been with like the the tiki uh, experience, and, and and granted, I haven't been to all the tiki establishments here, but there have is, you been to Mutiny? No, I, that's why I said I haven't. <laughs> stop, just stop. I have a three year old, um, but there was a place in San Francisco I went to that had a grotto. Uh, uh, with it, and it was like like water. Was it false idol? It was no. It was not false. I, I forgot the name of it. I was that really was drunk. Sweet, yeah. but it did have <laughs> it had water. At false idol. That place was like, <laughs> oh my god, there's a grotto here. Um, but I I understand what your point is. That was just my answer. I was like, I have. Well, yeah, no, because I mean, I've I've been fortunate enough to get to travel a fair amount for work, and I've visited some of. Uh, it, well, also for personal, I sought out some of uh, Cuba. I went to the Dead Rabbit. You were in yeah, Cuba. I mean, that was a vacation, like actual I, vacation. Like I envy you so much because you were in Cuba drinking where again. Hemingway was drinking. Like that's like, oh I, my god! Did I, you drink a Hemingway? Um, I don't think I drank oh, a Hemingway. Lord. I drank, I drank uh, a lot of the daiquiris at right, well, the, uh, Florida, though. <laughs> I'm probably going to go back idea. to Cuba. It's a great place. Let's I actually go. highly recommend it. Can, uh, can, can we do a podcast out there? Oh, my God. Dude, I fell in love with that place. But that's a whole nother. Can you go? going to go to Cuba? Cuba? Sure. I'm All right. right. Yeah. Aykroyd's sponsored by Aykroyd. Yeah, sponsored by Aykroyd. <laughs> Megan, you're here to hear first. <laughs> I mean, they're, they don't have, uh, to be fair, their culinary uh, uh, traditions no, just leave a lot to be desired. Carne asada and yeah. like, they do that. No, no, just Mexicans. No. I had some really amazing Marlin smoked Marlin tacos. Um, yes. But yeah, it was it was yeah. uh, it was up and down on the food. I would say, but uh, you know, dollar fifty mojitos and uh, 
I mean, $1. actually, at the Floridito, the US. yeah, at the Floridito was the most expensive drinks we had, which was six dollars, and it's really amazing because uh, it's a, it's actually more of the tourist uh, in the tourist area. It's definitely on a Friday night when I went there, a lot of uh, a lot of the tourists were there, very lively, amazing time. But they've got these. There was two, maybe three bartenders, but these two guys were there. They had probably five. Uh, five blenders and i mean as fast as they could blend all of them these guys are just pouring 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 blending and they'd have like 20 uh you know daiquiri lasses and as fast as they could blend them and pour them you know they'd be passing them out and that was a six dollar uh frozen daiquiri and that was the most expensive going drink that uh going that i spent there and man that was a was definitely a pretty next time you go experience. invite me please in Should your in his luggage <laughs> what like luggage? Like no, you invite me. No, I'm going to pay. That was a true vacation. That's there's, no internet. there's really no internet. Nobody can bother you. You know, you're just really like. Frozen daiquiris. Yeah. Mm. And like, I mean, great rum, you know. Did you do any frozen daiquiris over with you? No. Well, no? Are you against it? Second, or are you like, that's no. second best though. Second best, it's a possibility. Yeah. So, all right, tell me the hook. Like, so I'm going to come into Gregos. I've never been there before, which what? is a huge lie. Yeah. But like, so I come that's in, stupid. give me the pitch for Gregos. The pitch. I mean, I feel like it's an experience, man. You you have I mean, you have dozens of people listening to this podcast. How would you convince them to come? <laughs> dozens. Just come get some. There you go. <laughs> come come get some good steaks. Come get some good drinks and hang mm-hmm. out from have some good conversation. Nice. What when is uh so second best? Uh, what is the projected open? April. April. Everyone always asks that question. It's I know it's a never it's a, solid a bullshit answer, question. So I'm I just know, gonna say April. Yeah, and then April. with Detroit, you could just be like spring, July. and that would have been fine too. <laughs> um, April twenty seventh. Yes, two thousand and opening days early this year, isn't it? Yeah, it's probably March. You oh, don't know knows? baseball, Nick. You don't. You know I, the only reason I know baseball is for like aligning with events like this. <laughs> <laughs> uh in mm-hmm. fact, funny story, I was talking to my boss and I said batting 100 and she's like, you know it's batting 1,000, right? So for those that don't know Nick, he's not the most I know athletic. zero about sports. He's not the most athletic person. I spent eight years in marching band and I have no idea about football. We all have dad bods in the room, okay? So none no, of us are time out. Oh, time out. Yeah. I'm very athletic. Shut yourself. up with yours. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> Willie's abs are oh, sort God. of... Uh, <laughs> They've got a, They've built it's, a name for themselves. It's, it's all those. It's all those. It's all those. Comfortable with how much you've talked about Will's abs. That's the title. The I'm podcast. Just saying, Will Willie's abs. <laughs> all right. I gotta say, I'm, I'm searching uh, for that. Will. I, what's it? I haven't drank do in it. ten days. I'm no, no, old. I don't want to see that. No, no. Oh, can't do that. That's absurd. Nick, so brisky. Yeah, come by, Grey Ghost. He's cut off. Is there? So. You're opening second best. Is there anything? What's the future look like for the for the hospitality group? We have a lot of ideas. So, and, and I, I, so maybe I should have asked this before. But so you guys worked with Axel Brewing for a second. Yep. Um, we still do. Livernoy Tap. Livernoy Tap. Yeah, Livernoy yeah. Tap. Um, so uh, beer cocktails. Yeah. You did. You developed a menu for them. Uh, we yeah we developed a couple. We're just working on one today for an event tomorrow. Oh, what event is that? Uh buyout for oh, a okay. holiday party right. nothing crazy nothing, <laughs> cra- nothing crazy so what, what I, I think beer cocktails are something that are drastically underlooked so what what do you 
How would that go? If it's not fourteen percent, I'm not fucking with it. I know, I know. That's why we got we have to see masters wine events, but not everyone can drink that fourteen percent, including me. (laughs) So I mean, you got to look at it from the the other side of it. Yeah, like not everyone's in there for beer, but that's what they specialize in. So we're trying to give those people an option. Right, some people who don't want to drink a beer, but they're whoever they're with wants to hammer down some beer. So. Well, and I think there's a distinction needs to be made that like it's Axel Living Room Taps a brewery, right? So they can yeah. only pour their own beers. Yep. Is that right? So okay. these are no spirit cocktails. Right. Just no spirit. Beer? Just oh, beer. interesting. Just beer utilizing uh, shrubs, reductions, syrups, oh, cool. juices. So really got to be creative with it. And it's like cooking with only potatoes. <laughs> Imagine that just cooking with the, only the laws of it's spirits tough. and uh, booze should it's be tough. another podcast. So. Yeah, well, or, yeah, or we a could, series of yeah, we could yeah. do that. But but so the give us a couple examples of what's happening um, in terms of beer cocktails over at at Livernoy. So right now, there's, we just have a new bar manager over there. He's uh, working on this black ale reduction turned towards uh, eggnog. Ooh. Ooh, nice. so he's, re- that, he's reducing yeah. a beer. Reducing a beer and Neat. infusing a lot of baking spices in it. So you're still the the Making whole syrup idea out of it. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, and trying to keep those beer flavors still in the forefront while still putting his own twist on it, which is amazing. I think it's it's a fun challenge for sure. Like today, we we're working on a, a wheat ale, and we're just pulling different flavors out of this thing, like pomegranate and. Pink peppercorn, floral notes. So I mean, it's it's fun. It's a challenge for sure, but it's fun. I, I eventually want to do a beer tail for each beer on the menu. I don't think there's anyone really doing anything like that. So I don't know. It's always fun to try and challenge myself. I Does Vegas like have an uh, NA cocktail on the menu? Uh, no, but we do NA cocktails yeah. all the time. And so we treat them non-alcoholic like choices. Yes. non-alcoholic. Yeah, we treat them just like dealer's choices. What flavors do you dislike? What flavors do you lean towards? You want it sweet? You want it tart? And still go through the same motions and we treat it with just as much care. Hopefully it's better than like some chefs who are like, oh, I'll give you carrots, potatoes, and onions. and If you're lucky. Well, for, yeah. a ve- for a vegan option? Is that what you're saying? No, it's squash. It's always squash. <laughs> <laughs> In a tortilla. <laughs> Oh, Sounds you're talking like about this. You're talking about yeah, because I've seen my wife, wife order 12 million vegetarian <laughs> restaurant uh, recipes, and it's always the same thing. It's hard it's to like, eat when you're vegetarian. Yeah, here's a pile of squash <laughs> with like four carrots on rice. I would not know. Yeah, yeah. hashtag <laughs> seasonal, right? <laughs> but, All right, so well, so well. Uh, uh, to jump into something that Joe might say, uh, where can we find you mm. on social media? Will seven e e. On Instagram. I'm on Facebook too, you can find me. It's a little bit of Will Leet Speak Lee. there. Oh what? Leet Speak? What's that? Leet Speak? You know, like gamers, like where they like take yeah, yeah, a letter yeah. and turn it into well, a someone number. had Will Lee already. So. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I definitely tried. And uh for your uh um establishments? Um www.greyghostdetroit.com on the World Wide Web. <laughs> and, and also you guys do work at Livernoy Tap yep and yeah. uh, second best Detroit su- coming at in 2018 yep it's coming in hot 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 and and stuff more stuff to come yes more stuff is there a come. food component at second best I didn't yep. even okay yeah it's gonna be uh, our, our twist on bar food okay cool so it should be fun any competitions you in this year Will 
focusing Wait, on... Wait, 17? Work. Like in the last like, four no, days 18. of 2017? So next How year. does he know? Prisky. There's 365 Prisky. days. I might. I might. We, uh, we might. Me and Nick and Jason <laughs> might get back into it. I'm down. <laughs> I'm down. Will, Lee, thanks for being with us. Thank you guys for having me. Until next time, dine well, friends. Woo!